Hey guys, welcome to NFL Twincast. This is a weekly podcast going over NFL topics. My name's Corey. And I'm Kyle. Alright guys, so since this is the first episode, we want to go over a little bit of background about the show and uh, a couple things about us. So, my name's Corey Sharworth. I am a full-time personal trainer. I graduated from Eastern Illinois University. My family's from Metairie, Louisiana. I'm a diehard Saints fan, LSU fan, and basically all Louisiana sports teams. Um, but I'm also just a fanatic of all sports, and football is my favorite sport, so we're going to go over every NFL team, but with that in mind, I am a part of Houdat Nation, Go Saints, and now I'm going to pass it along to Kyle. All right, and I'm Kyle Sharworth, uh, Corey's twin, obviously, and I'm also a full-time personal trainer, huge sports fanatic. So we're not going to get too into uh, the COVID-19 because we know that you guys have been hearing a lot about that, and this is a sports show, and we'd like to have an outlet to get your mind away from it. But something we did want to go over, some bright spot that hopefully leads to more athletes and celebrities donating is uh, Drew, Brees fonda- Drew Brees' donation that he just did. Yeah, so uh, Drew Brees and his wife donated $5 million uh, to Louisiana towards the coronavirus, helping people with meals and whatnot, because New Orleans is being kind of hit pretty hard right now, just like New York City and um, a lot of other places around the world. Um, And on top of that, back to sport-wise with Drew Brees, I gotta say he is one of the most underrated, undervalued, underappreciated quarterbacks. Um, I mean, the guy, so quarterback's most important position in sports. He has the record for passing yards, touchdowns, and career completions. And yet when anybody brings up top five quarterbacks, you throw in Brady and Rodgers with current quarterbacks right now, and nobody mentions Brees. I'll, I'll tell you what, and I know it comes off because I'm a Bears fan. And, that, that, you know, Rodgers is doing something right because I absolutely can't stand the guy because he's great. That's why you know he's doing something right, just like people hate the Patriots dynasty. And that means they're great when, they, you know, it's envy. And Aaron Rodgers, I'll tell you, he's top five talented quarterback of all time. Um, he's going to be top 10, top five when he finishes in all important stats. But if you're going top five accomplished right now, no, Drew Brees, number one for most of them, number one, two, or three. And then if you're saying top five leader, Rodgers is not the greatest leader either. I would take Drew Brees any day over Rodgers leader-wise. So talent-wise, yes, Rodgers. Um, accomplishments will finish top 10. First ballot Hall of Famer, no question. I will admit all of that. But how do you not put Brees in a top five for quarterbacks when a guy owns all the most important statistics for it? Um, I, another guy who's going to be like Drew Brees, underrated, once Drew Brees retires in the next couple of years, is also Russell Wilson. Nobody talks about Russell Wilson, but yet if you look at the Seahawks, the guys carried him on their back with no offensive line. I mean, the Seahawks should have been in rebuilding mode the past couple of years, but they don't rebuild because Russell Wilson just carries them. And, I, I you know, Aaron Rodgers last year did not have that great of a year. They, they went that far and had a good record in spite of Rodgers. It was one of his down years. And yet, because his name and his talent and his legacy, he gets the Pro Bowl nod, which I know Pro Bowl isn't even, I mean, it's a joke, we all know that, but it's like, uh, I don't know, it's just, it, it kind of bewilders me a little bit how underrated and not talked about Drew Brees is, and then Aaron Rodgers has a year like that, and everybody just acts like it's nothing. Well, to go along with that, if you think about it, Drew Brees has always been overshadowed by Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and now Aaron Rodgers in his career. Um it's unbelievable to me that he's never won a league MVP because his stats have been similar to Rodgers and Manning when they've won theirs. Part of that, yes, it's a popularity contest. Yes, Breeze plays in a smaller market, 
But Breeze has taken a franchise that used to be a laughing stock and consistently made him competitive, brought him to the playoff. They won one Super Bowl and they've won several NFC South titles. He also has all the statistics to back it up. He's basically broken every record. And he, at his age, he's actually more efficient than Brady. Last year, Breeze missed five and a half games and almost every statistic he had was better than Tom Brady's, but no one talks about that. They all just talk about how Tom Brady's fighting age. And uh, I think the thing I respect the most about Breeze is that doesn't bother him. He just goes in every day and does his job. Um, we just wanted to dive into that because of how important it was and how much he values just society as a whole, and he's always helping Louisiana out and people in general. So he's using his platform to better society. And before you Packers Packers Nation comes at me here and flips out, I am admitting that Aaron Rodgers, I can't stand playing him every year. He's like the boogeyman. We just crumble against him. I mean, the guy's a top five talent of all time, uh, first battle Hall of Famer. So I'm admitting all that. I just don't understand. I mean, if people are all about the stats and numbers these days and everything, Drew Brees is more accomplished and a better leader than Aaron Rodgers. I, I, I don't know. I'm just they're both Hall of Famers, first ballot, but Brees over Rodgers right now in his career and legacy wise. All right. So next, um, we all know, especially with a lot of sports being shut down lately, free agency period past two weeks has been a quite entertaining free agency period, especially for the NFC South. I mean, you had Brady with the Bucks, you have Gurley going to the Falcons. And then you have the Saints filling that number two uh, wide receiver hole with Emmanuel Sanders. So next, we're going to talk about the top 10 free agents we think who are still available. It's not going to be in any particular order, but we're just going to go over some of the top 10 uh, free agents since it's kind of slowed down a little bit. So um, first, I'm going to start with uh, Jadavian Clowney. So with Clowney, I think right now he's kind of asking for a little bit too much money, $20 million a year. That's a lot of money. I know the offensive line, defensive line, you win the game in the trenches, which the Eagles proved a couple seasons ago when they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. You do win with the best off. It starts inside out. So offensive line, defensive line. Um, offensive line, you need protection. Defensive line, you need to get to the quarterback because it's a passing league now. And you got to develop a run game to start throwing option plays and whatnot. Um, so I understand the importance of Jadavian Clowney. He's a former number one pick. Um, the guy's an athletic freak of nature. And I also think, too, unless you watch the games, if you're just paying attention to stats, which is why I'm not the biggest on stats, you know, because um, there are garbage stats and whatnot, too, throughout games. But with Clowney, he's a lot more presence than just his stats show. Uh, he shows up a lot in the game film, and he does wrecks, he, he wreaks havoc during the game. Um, it doesn't always show in the stat line, but the reason I think he's asking too much is because availability is the best ability. And um, Clowney, he has had some injury issues the past few years. And then also with the coronavirus right now, GMs can't call him in to do workouts or kind of see how he is health-wise. I mean, it's easy for him to kind of go get a doctor or record a video right now to just show that he's healthy. But you, they need to bring him in if you're going to be paying him $20 million a year. But the, if you're a Super Bowl contender, oh, I would definitely go after Clowney. Um, and if I'm the Seahawks, I would resign Clowney. So next on the list, I have Everson Griffin, and I know he's a stud because I watched him twice a year against the Bears. The guy's a veteran presence, um, also a defensive end from the Vikings, and you know he's he's a great player. He's a veteran, so you I don't think with his age too, I believe he's thirty two years old. You won't have to pay him as much. He's definitely not looking for as much as a uh, Davian Clowney, which is a good thing, and also if you're a contender. 
that's a good signing. Um, and I I believe he's had double digit sacks about five times in his career or whatnot. So he he can get you a lot of sacks, which that's I know that's an important stat for people. But he he could fill a hole. He's good against run defense. I mean, uh, it's kind of getting up there in age. But if you can get him for the right price, I've seen him uh, wreak havoc on the Bears. He's a great player. Another player is Logan Ryan. Secondary is huge these days because it's a passing league. He was on that Titans defense last year, and then he had the pick against Tom Brady, the last one that he threw in Gillette Stadium. Um, and he also started his career, his first four years, playing on a Patriots defense. So he's been to a Super Bowl. Um, he learned the Patriot way, and then he also thrived with the Titans. So he's a solid, solid player for your secondary. Problem again, though, with Ryan is uh, he kind of wants a lot of money too, which is good to you know value yourself high highly, and uh, his play speaks for it too. And he's still still um, decently young also, but I think he may need to take a little less money than what he's asking for for the asking price. Um, and then you also have Jason Peters. So Jason Peters gonna be first ball Hall of Famer and offensive line. It's maybe not the sexiest position, but it's the most one of the most important. Um, Quarterback's nothing without no line, and none, none of the skill positions you need the guys, you know, the big guys blocking for you. Jason Peters, he's made, he's two-time All-Pro, which All-Pro is very important. He's made nine Pro Bowlers. The guy's an absolute stud. You can rely on him. I mean, he's going to do his assignment, run block, pass block, everything. You can count on Jason Peters. He'll be a leader for the team and the line. You can plug him in. At, I mean, pretty much any team, any system. You could probably plug Peters in, but being 38 years old, I would uh, say that probably going to go, if anywhere, to a Super Bowl contender, maybe take a little less on money-wise. So the next one I'm going to go over is pretty interesting. At first, people are going to be like, why would you even say he's top 10 for anything right now? Some people forget. But Devontae Freeman from the Falcons running back, if you remember just a few years ago when they went to the Super Bowl against Patriots, Devontae Freeman was part of that 1-2 rushing attack with Tevin Coleman and they had one of the best rushing offenses in the whole NFL um if they would have stuck with rushing they would ended up closing out and winning that Super Bowl honestly instead of blowing that 28 to 3 lead um but Devontae Freeman if you've done it once you could do it again the guy's only 28 years old um he's still young he's still very young um and running backs they're not so valued anymore because with the systems now like I said it's a passing league and then also it's been proven where you, if you have good line and whatnot and system, you could kind of plug a lot of running backs in. And then they get a lot of tread and tear on their bodies with the carries. Because running back, you got to change the name of position. They have to block. They have to run. They have to catch like receivers. I mean, they, I mean, they, they have to do it all. And then they're getting overused and underpaid. But Devontae Freeman, um, with him, he had the Super Bowl year. And then the year after also, he had back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons and 11 touchdowns each season. So he can be productive. He has a chip on his shoulder. He still wants to prove he can be productive. He's finally healthy. So I think you can get him for like three, uh, $3 million a year if you want to take a chance on him. So you can get him for cheap value, um, kind of see if he can kind of revive his career so that he won't be a bad free agent for somebody who needs a second running back just to split carries. Another player we got is Cameron Wake. Um, the D-lineman. So there were rumors that he was going to retire, but he's a proven veteran. He's had, uh, he's had, you know, a great career with sacks and good pass rusher. He's up there in age. So again, he'd be good for a Super Bowl contender. Um, 
if you're trying to strengthen your D-line, put them in on, you know, second, third down or whatnot. But um, solid, solid player right there. So Cameron Wake, big name. Everybody knows Cameron Wake. Last one I'm going to cover is Tony Jefferson. So Tony Jefferson, he's 28 years old. He's a safety for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's not going to be somebody who's going to get you, you know, five, six picks a year or over five sacks. He's not, he does not, doesn't accumulate a bunch of stats, but he's a solid safety. And I think he'd be somebody good for a team like the Bears with Eddie Jackson. If you already have a all pro safety there, Tony Jefferson's 28 years old. He can cover, he'll do his job. So if you have a, a good number one safety, you could bring Tony Jefferson alongside him and you, he's not asking for too much too price wise. So so I'm going to go over a couple that I think are some big free agents still remaining. Um, the first two I'm going to go over are obvious ones. Cam Newton's the first one. Cam Newton, I think, can be very valuable for any team that signs him. I know he's been injury-plagued the last two seasons, and when his performance was poor, it was because he was fighting through injuries. But people forget when Cam Newton was healthy, they did make the playoffs. Also, Cam Newton won several NFC South championships. Uh... I should say division titles. Um, but Cam Newton's a former league MVP. He's gone to a Super Bowl. He's kind of like a wild card. I would compare him to Lamar Jackson, except he's stronger and bigger. Um, one of the reasons he does get injured is because he takes a lot of hits, but he has a heck of an arm. He's an athletic freak. He He's hard to game plan against. I guess the way you could think of it is if your division rival signed him, you would be nervous and upset that he is in your division to have to play him twice a year, and I could vouch for that being a Saints fan. Um, as a Saints fan, again, I would like to sign Cam Newton because Drew Brees is going to be done within a year or two years max, and you would have a proven veteran where you wouldn't have to rebuild. If Cam Newton is healthy, I think any team can benefit from having him. Uh, the big question is health, and with coronavirus going on, you don't get a really see him physically and see him perform to see if he actually is healthy because it's only going to be on tape, which is definitely hurting his stock. And I think that's why Cam Newton hasn't been signed yet. But I think he has a big chip on his shoulder and can prove a lot of people wrong. Um, another good quarterback that a lot of people will kind of argue against is Jameis Winston. I know it's funny to say make a 30 for 30 on him because of the 30 touchdowns and then the 30 turnovers and he's a turnover machine. But I watch Jameis Winston a lot because he is an NFC South, and Jameis Winston is a gunslinger. He has a big arm. He's proven that he can be explosive and lead an offense. Jameis Winston's biggest problem is his, his self. It's his, his decision-making. I mean, he was kind of thrown out right away to the Wolves because he was a number one pick. So he didn't get to really learn much as a backup. I think Jameis Winston would be great. as a. He'd probably be the top backup in the league if he got signed by a team to back someone up. And I think he could do a great job of either competing for a starting job or to be an heir apparent, for instance, maybe to um, the Colts after Rivers or the Saints after Breeze, someone with an older quarterback, maybe the Steelers after Roethlisberger. If Jameis has a veteran leader or a good coach that could teach him the ins and outs so that he's not as mistake prone, I think he could be a great addition to any team. And yeah, to add to that, I mean, the guy had 30 passing touchdowns and 5,000 passing yards last year. So, he, he, yes, if you, you know, he turned it over too much, so decision-wise, but if you bring him into a quarterback room and he learns from a proven veteran, he can. he's, he's not even 30 years old yet. And the guy's shown he has talent. He has to stop the mistakes, but 30 touchdowns, 5,000 passing yards. So you see that you see a ceiling there. So Jameis Winston, you he would be good to bring in your quarterback room. He would definitely help push, even if he's not, 
competing for if it's not gonna be the starter for your team right away he's gonna push that starter and make him better i know i'll get a a lot of backlash for this because of being a saints fan but i would love to take newton or winston as a backup to learn from breeze and sean payton they're both great offensive masterminds both both veterans and i mean cam jordan has been recruiting for cam newton he obviously wants cam newton he plays him twice a year he knows the talent he has Oh, and he's talking to the Saints fan. As a Bears fan, we don't even, oh my, my, we can't even get started with quarterbacks. But honestly, I would have, James Winston, I didn't really, I would have taken maybe as, eh, I mean, I'll bring him in now. I wouldn't want him as a, maybe a third screen, but I see the talent. I see the talent, don't get me wrong. But we, we have a defense that we're in win now. But Cam Newton, I would have loved to have. I understand with coronavirus, you know, that kind of hurts him because health-wise, you don't know how healthy he is. Um, but the guy, he... He wants to win. I think he's a good leader, and um, he's as talented as it gets. I mean, the guy could be like Lamar Jackson. He's a nightmare to prepare for, and I think, uh, not to get too far off topic here, but for a team that needs a quarterback like the Bears, I feel like Ryan Pace kind of jumped the gun a little bit with the Nick Foles and kind of uh, overvalued with them. But Cam Newton, I I mean, I wanted him right when I found out. I was like, uh, you know, if you're a team, especially that you can get him now that he's a free agent instead of having to trade for him, I would definitely bring Cam Newton in. So the last free agent I want to go over for our top free agents remaining is kind of a surprise. A lot of people don't even realize he is a free agent unless you're an Eagles fan. Uh, Nigel Bradham. And if you don't recognize the name, he's a linebacker for the Eagles. He's been a part of the Eagles since the Super Bowl team. He's definitely reliable. And you know what you're going to get out of him each year because he's consistent. I mean, he is basically good for 80 tackles a season if he's not injured. Uh, he's great against the run. He's a veteran. He's proven to be a winner because the Eagles have been a winning franchise lately since he's been there. Um, but he could definitely improve a defense, and you could get him pretty cheap right now, kind of like a one-year prove-it deal. I would love to see him on any defense that needs depth at linebacker or just needs a veteran there. Um, so that's it for our top free agents. I know we didn't put them in a specific order. You might not agree with some of them, but we're just going over what we think could help fill certain teams' needs and veterans or players that have proven to be pretty good in the NFL. They just had maybe some injuries or a couple years of a drop-off. All right, guys, so next we're going to go over how the COVID-19 virus is affecting NFL clubs because they're unable to meet, to see people perform physicals um they don't get to show people their vision for the next season to see if they'd be a good fit or to try and convince a free agent to come play for them they also don't get to see players who have an injury history like Jadavion Clowney or Cam Newton it's really hurting them right now um but with that there definitely is a benefit for organizations that have had a coach that's been there a while, have a lot of their key pieces back, or a veteran quarterback that's leading the team because they don't necessarily need a lot of time in the offseason. Also, I think uh, to add to that, it kind of benefits the well-run organizations because it's kind of back to the old days with the scouting because you have to go off their game film and game tape since you can't meet them in person. So you're just going off of what they had previously done or did in college and... um Instead of, I mean, you do, we did do the combine, which is good also, but it's going to kind of separate the great scouts and organizations from the ones who could use some work. Um, but from the last segment, I did make a mistake. Uh, Tony Jefferson, a safety, was 28. He was actually a safety for the Baltimore Ravens, another great team in AFC. Solid defense, but not the Chiefs, so I was wrong on that one. Still a good free agent, though. 
Um, so the teams I'm going to address that kind of benefit from uh, the coronavirus not being able to, you know, who benefit more in the teams that can't meet right now just because of experience and whatnot. Um, first, I'll address for the NFC North. Um, so for the Bears, they're I know they have a lot to work on, kind of in shambles a little bit, but Nick Foles is familiar with the system. He um, worked with John DiFilippo the year that he came in for when Wentz got hurt. John DiFilippo was a quarterback coach when he had that amazing postseason run and a Super Bowl run. So uh, he was familiar with DiFilippo because he was a quarterback coach when he helped um, them win the Super Bowl. And then also he was a quarterback or he was a coach for him last year when he was at Jacksonville. And then with Nagy, Nagy was the quarterback coach coordinator for the Chiefs when um, he was Alex Smith's backup. So Nick Foles is already familiar with the Bears system and how it's run. So that's a good thing. So he comes in, even though, you know, there may be some missed uh, mini camps or we don't know how long this is going to last. Nick Foles is a veteran. He's seasoned and he's knows the system already and he's familiar with Filippo and Nagy. So he shares that vision. For the Packers, you have Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur is in his second year with Aaron, Rod- Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, the bad man, you know, Aaron Rodgers and uh, LaFleur. <laughs> all, all fame quarterback, excuse me. Um, so that's the NFC, <laughs> NFC North. And then uh, next I'm going to address the NFC West. So Seahawks, um, I already talked about how a lot of people thought they would have been rebuilding, but... Russell Wilson just keeps adding to what's going to eventually be a Hall of Fame career. Pete Carroll, great coach, could be a Hall of Fame coach. Um, great coach in college and already won a Super Bowl. Bonehead mistake, should have won two. But, so, since they're, you know, a solid organization, they've proven, even when people think they should be rebuilding, kind of like how the Patriots never are in rebuild mode when people count them out. It's the same with Seahawks and NFC. So, they have Russell Wilson again. They have uh, Pete Carroll then you got Metcalf coming back another year. Um, you have Hollister tight end, and then you have a three-headed running monster. I know they weren't healthy going into the postseason last year, and now they'll have the running backs healthy again. Um, so they'll be fine. Um, the Niners, of course, they went to the Super Bowl. John Lynch is an amazing general manager. He put the pieces in place. Kyle Shanahan, one of the best young, bright-headed, or, you know, offensive-minded geniuses and head coaches. I know he's twice now, he's kind of, you know, uh, I don't want to put it on his shoulders, but you get the credit and the blame when you're coach or quarterback. So the two Super Bowls that could have won, but Shanahan's a great young head coach. Lynch is a great GM. Jimmy G, people like to bash him, but the guy's a, a winner. I mean, he, he wins. They they struggle without him, but he wins, and it's another year with Jimmy Garoppolo. And then they have one of the best offensive lines and defensive lines. So I think the Niners will be just fine. And then... You also have the Cardinals, which people will be like, Cardinals, well, how would they be fine? I mean, Larry Fitzgerald's going to, he goes down in my book as a top five receiver all time. So you got Fitzgerald, great leader, great, one of the greatest receivers. Kyler Murray, I mean, he was a stud last year, a stud. And you have a second year under the air raid offense of Kingsbury. So you have Kyler Murray going to second year, running Kingsbury's air raid with Fitzgerald. And then they, I mean, it was highway robbery. They got DeAndre Hopkins for a bag of chips and a hot dog. So they got two all-pro, you know, they got a Hall of Fame receiver in Fitzgerald, all-pro receiver in DeAndre Hopkins with Kyler Murray, and then second year there. So that's why the NFC is going to be so stacked. Um, then next, I'm going to cover, so uh, Buffalo for the AFC on the AFC side, the Bills, 
I mean, I think the Bills, you got Josh Allen another year, and then you brought in Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs is an amazing receiver, especially if he's going to be a number one with the quarterback who's going to throw to him more often. Cover your Saints fans. We don't like that name. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But you got a quarterback. I mean, I'm sorry, but Kirk Cousins, you know, a solid quarterback, but kind of allergic to success in the big moments. And Stephon Diggs had a share with Thielen, and Cousins just wouldn't get him the ball a lot of times when he was open. So now Josh Allen, you know, he's... He's young. He's getting better each season. Another year of experience. And he's got Stefan Diggs, so number one receiver. So I think, and then Buffalo, top 10 defense. So I think they'll be fine. Um, Colts, they'll benefit because Colts, uh, Reich, he has the experience with Rivers. Rivers, 38 years old. You know, he's been in the league forever. He's got, he's going to be a Hall of Famer too, eventually. And now he's got a shot at the Super Bowl because Colts have arguably the best offensive line in football. Great running game, solid defensive line. Then you got Leonard at linebacker. I mean, the Colts have a solid team. If Andrew Luck wouldn't have retired, they arguably were a Super Bowl favorite last year. So you bring in Rivers, see if he's still got it, if Father Time hasn't hit him yet. Um, so they'll be fine, though, because the familiarity between the head coach and Rivers, and then they already have the foundations built around them. Then you have the Titans, who were kind of the postseason Cinderella team last year. And you got Tannehill another year in this offense and uh, carried on the shoulders of Big Derek. King Henry, you know, so you got Tannehill and Henry there another season. They always have a good defense, great coach, so Titans is another team. So now I'm going to go over teams that I think can definitely benefit from having familiarity in the locker room with coronavirus preventing players from performing off-season activities. Um, the first one I'm going to go over, so the first team I'm going to go over is obvious, the New Orleans Saints, not to be biased or to be a homer form, but the Saints have the most wins over the last three seasons in the NFL, and that's not by accident. There's definitely a good locker room, a good culture, and familiarity going on in the locker room. Um, the Saints also spent a lot of this offseason re-signing some of their own free agents. They did re-sign Anyamata, Andrus Pete, so they have their whole offensive line coming back. And when Von Bell left, they signed Malcolm Jenkins, who actually won a Super Bowl with the Saints his first season in the NFL, so they got him back as well with familiarity. And then you have Breeze and Sean Payton, who have both been the leaders of the team since 2006. So they don't technically need as much time in the offseason to get familiar with the scheme and the system. Um, another team in NFC South that might come as a surprise that could benefit from this is Matt Ryan and Dan Quinn with the Falcons. Uh, the reason I picked the Falcons is because those two have been together for a long time. Matt Ryan, he's a veteran. He's a good leader. And you have Julio Jones and a lot of those players also coming back. And then Todd Gurley can be a good addition because he has been in the league long enough to know what's going on. The last team in the NFC South that I'm going to go over is the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They definitely are questioned because Brady's coming to a new team. But if you want any player to leave a team and come to a new team with limited time to meet with the players and learn a scheme, it's definitely Tom Brady. I mean, the guy's a proven winner. He's been in the league for a very long time. And Bruce Arians is just a great coach, a great offensive mind. You put them together, and I think they can definitely succeed even with this shorter um, offseason of getting to perform team activities. And Tom Brady comes from the Patriot way and arguably the greatest coach in NFL history, Bill Belichick, taught him. So after the NFC South, another team I think that can benefit from familiarity is the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, they lost some people. Yes, people like to bash Jerry Jones for the way he goes about his business. But you got Amari Cooper coming back. You have Dak Prescott coming back. And you have Ezekiel Elliott. 
most of their offensive linemen minus Frederick retiring early. I think that they'll still be fine. I think offensively they'll definitely be fine. We all saw last year, even though they had a weak schedule at the beginning of the season, Dak Prescott played lights out, and he just keeps getting better year after year. The Philadelphia Eagles are another team. Yes, they've lost a couple defensive players, a lot of their receivers, which is probably a good thing that the receivers are leaving. But if Carson Wentz can stay healthy, we've seen how talented he is. Doug Peterson's another great offensive mind in the league. And they won a Super Bowl just a couple years ago. So they have a good locker room, a good foundation there. So now, a couple AFC teams I want to go over. The Baltimore Ravens. People forget because of the Ravens losing early in the playoffs how dominant they were last year. The Ravens basically went through a gauntlet of a schedule and just wiped everyone out with ease. They were definitely the most explosive team in the regular season and the best team in the regular season, but they choked in the playoffs again. So I think the Ravens will be completely fine. I think it's another year for Lamar Jackson in that offense. Um, Mark Ingram's a great leader and also just a funny guy in the locker room that brings people together. He's kind of like the hype man. And then Harbaugh's a great coach to begin with. So a team that's kind of flying under the radar because of last season is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh had no business winning the amount of games they did and no business contending for a wild card. I mean, they had two quarterbacks that people have the never duck heard hunter. of. Yeah, I mean, the, the Duck Hunter and Rudolph, people have never heard of them besides the Miles Garrett incident. But they shouldn't have been as competitive as they were, but they had a playoff defense. Their defense was unbelievable. Offensively, they had quarterback injuries. Juju wasn't that healthy. Uh, James Connors often injured. So really, you were watching a team stay competitive with just their defense, kind of like how the Bears used to be. And you see how well of an organization that is, considering they've had, what, two or three coaches in like four decades, um, and on top of... They let Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown walk, and the Steelers are doing way better than those two are right now. And I think that Minka Fitzpatrick and Watt on that defense are unbelievable. With Roethlisberger healthy this year, you know Juju Smith's going to have a better year. The The Steelers will definitely be a team to contend this season at AFC. Last team, an obvious one, is the Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. Andy Reid is one of the most underrated coaches. He's been a proven winner wherever he's coached that. Great coach, great uh, players coach. Everybody loves him on the team. You have Pat Mahomes, who looks like a combination of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Hit the talent he has, how he can sling the ball. That offense looks like a track team, so you can never count them out. And then also, one of my favorite college football players of all time, the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. He just came over there and just changed that defensive culture. He's a great leader. He's a hybrid. And so now their defense is improving also. Um but that's our list of the teams that we think, because of certain players on the team, because of their culture, maybe their quarterback, their leader, we don't think the coronavirus will affect them as much as it does to teams with new head coaches or uh, new leaders or young teams. All right, now we're going to finish with the Truth Be Told segment. This is the one we're going to end each episode with. So again, this is kind of how whenever there's a story, there's three sides. There's your side, their side, and the truth. So it's going to be my side, Corey's side. And then how the NFL, the stats, the numbers, or the, how the NFL views it. So for today's, we're going to do um, the top five power rankings of teams right now after the you know big buzz of the free agency, who we think the top five teams are going into this year so far currently. Um, so for number one for me, it's the Bears. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. My Bear Leavers. But one day, one day the Bears will be back. But for real though, for number one for me, I have the Niners. Um, I think the Niners are the most well-balanced team in football. I think they 
could have easily won that Super Bowl last year. They were just a throwaway, a couple plays away, you know, from winning that Super Bowl last year. I think, again, it's the trenches, best O-line, D-line, great GM, great head coach. Um, running back-wise, Raheem Mostert burst onto the scene. What a story that was after being cut by, what, six teams and then getting his chance and going off for over 200-something yards against Green Bay in the playoffs and just having good good for him. It's awesome. Um, determination right there and grit. So you got him, then... Um, also, Tevin Coleman, if healthy, that's a great two two options for the run game. And that didn't even include Brito, who was hurt last year. And then uh, receiver-wise, they did lose Sanders of Saints. And I thought Sanders was the best uh, second-half pickup last year. I think they, I don't even know if they go to Super Bowl without Sanders because he was wide receiver number one. So maybe address that during uh, the draft. But they still, even though they lost... Um, some two of their D-linemen to the Colts. They still have a solid D-line and defense. Still Richard Sherman, two to anchor the defense. I mean, all-around team, I still think the Niners are the best. They're still young. Um, again, Garoppolo, too. He, he, he's just a winner. You got good as gold, Robbie Gold. So they'll be right back again next season. Um, number two, I have the Ravens. The Ravens, they kind of just laid an egg. And I think uh, in the playoffs, I think the problem was that uh, they're a running team, and then they – with passing wise, it's tight ends too. So they weren't you. They dominated the regular season. They were the best regular season team. They weren't used to coming back from behind. So once they got down by double digits, when you're a running team, and and you're not used to that, it's kind of like sometimes when teams say it's actually good to lose a game before going to the postseason. For example, I'll go back to my Bears, '85 Bears. They said that actually helped them when they lost to the Dolphins on Monday night. I mean. They finished 15 and one, and then it kind of, you know, it, we're not invincible kind of mentality. Like, hey, we're not as good as we think we are. Gets you back, you know, back on that work grind. So, I think that kind of was kind of uh, humbled the Ravens last year. Um, they still have the MVP and Lamar Jackson and defenses. Yes, they'll be better at adapting to him, but he, the guy's Mike Vick 2.0. I mean, and I think he's a solid, solid quarterback. He's only getting better and better at passing. They have the best tight end group in the NFL. And then um, you also have Mark Ingram, which I think, I mean, I love Mark Ingram. He was amazing pickup for the Ravens. Wish the Saints wouldn't have let him go. But Mark Ingram, big trust. You know, you got him. Um, Ravens have a solid defense. Got some uh, great coach, too, in Harbaugh. So the Ravens will be right there. I think I think uh, they'll be just as good in the regular season next year, but they'll actually advance and playoffs, maybe make Super Bowl. Number three, I have the Saints. Um, Saints, low-key, have been a what arguably the best team in the NFC uh definitely past five years if not the past decade for the NFC they're just like the Seahawks where they're just always remaining around the playoffs and dominating NFC South and I know they've had some tough tough breaks um talk about getting your heart ripped out year after year in the playoffs and bad postseason finishes but um Drew Brees you know I you know the guy's just class act and Hall of Famer first ballot top three QB all time he's got about two years if not this year left in them I think they go on one more run with them they have the Sean Payton he adapts with the times it doesn't matter every decade the last two decades he still has a top three offense and he adapts Drew Brees um like I said you got Brees and Payton and then you got the best receiver Michael Thomas can't guard can't guard Mike and now you finally had a number two receiver they still can't guard him that's when you know you're great when they know the ball's going to you throughout the game and you still can't cover him and now they got number two receiver, Emmanuel Sanders, who's a stud. So they can't double him. That's, I think, what knocked him out of the playoffs last few years. Even if them giving up points, I think, because the Saints score quickly. So their defense is going to be on the field a lot. It's going to be a little bit of a shootout. But Cam Jordan, Lattimore, I trust their defense. 
just get a linebacker in a draft or whatnot. But now that they have another receiver, I think that, that was their weakness in the playoffs the last few years that knocked them out. Now that they have a number two, I don't know. I don't know if there's a team that can guard, cover them, you know. Um, and then number four, I have the Chiefs, you know, returning Super Bowl champs. They have the um, fastest skill players I've seen in the NFL, the Tyree Kill and that whole offense. It's insane how fast they are. Um, and then you have Pat Mahomes. He's the best player in the entire NFL, the most talented um, so when you got him and Andy Reid, who's a Hall of Fame coach, and they're returning Super Bowl champs, I mean, you can't count them out. Number five, it's going to be a surprise one for a lot of people, but Bills Mafia, stand up, jump through the tables, I'm going Bills Mafia. They've had a top 10 defense the last few years. Um, Josh Allen's going into his third year. I think he's actually doing a little better than I projected he would do, to be honest, coming out of Wyoming. I thought he was kind of overvalued coming into the draft, but he's actually surprised me, and he's more athletic, uh than I thought he was, so he, there's always a threat of him on his feet, and he, he's a competitor, you know, he'll take the hits, he's, he gets rowdy, he gets into the game, and, uh, you know, he kind of goes with it, if he's, if he get, runs for a first down, the team kind of feeds off of that, and you could tell with that energy, he's a leader for them, um, and then you also have, going their third year too, or sorry, going to second year for him, Devin Singletary from Florida Atlantic, he came on the scene last year towards the middle of the season, end of the season, um, so he'll get some more carries, be used more on the backfield for passes also this year. And I think they add another running back of value in the draft. If not free agency, there's still Carlos Hyde and Freeman out there. Um, so that would help, too, to have a 1-2 rushing attack. And then big time for them was um, adding uh, Stefan Diggs. That guy is a top 10 receiver, if not top 5. And having it with him, adding on to the speed of John Brown now. For So you got John Brown and then the speed of John Brown. And then now you have Stefan Diggs for Josh Allen. That's only going to help with his growth and that offense because, like I said, they already have a top 10 defense with Tredavious White, who I think is one of the top cornerbacks in the whole NFL from where, Corey? Bayou Bengals, yeah. baby. Go Tigers, national champs. DBU. And then um, you also have in second year from Virginia Tech linebacker Tremaine Edmonds, and you have Ed Oliver, D lineman from Houston. So they got a young, hungry defense. So I think the Bills. And then if you look at the division, Miami's in rebuild mode. The Jets are the Jets, let's be honest. So like the Browns, the Lions, I mean, Jets are the Jets. Be, yeah, I mean, their season, I'm I'm sorry. I mean, I, their season ended on mono. Come on, it's the Jets. Um, And, and Brady's gone. Patriots, I, Bill Belichick is the best coach in football, but Brady's gone. Um, So they don't want to say it, but it may be a little bit of a rebuild. But, you know, it, this is time for the Bills to take over. Bill's Mafia stand up. Apparently Kyle's going to start a Buffalo Bills show. That's right, that's right. <laughs> so... My top five is similar to Kyle's, but a little different. Um, the first team I'm going to go with in my power rankings is the Baltimore Ravens. The reason I'm going with them is people forget that they literally dominated the regular season last year, and it wasn't against easy teams. They kind of had a gauntlet of a schedule at one point. They took out the Niners. They took out the Patriots. They took out was it the Texans. They, they, they dominated people last season. Um also, Mark Ingram, he's just a hype man. He's a great veteran presence on the Ravens. You got Lamar Jackson winning an MVP. It's hard for people to game plan against him. He's going to have another year in that system. Harbaugh's been there a long time. He's a proven winner. I mean, they won a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco, so, I mean, he knows Joe how Fluco. to coach. Joe Fluco. <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll be in the XFL next year. Coming to you, Joe Fluco. So, he knows how to coach. 
Um, the second he, 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 he didn't he didn't want got QB competition. He's not, he's not even gonna have a QB job. So we gotta get Colin and Haler over here. But uh, the second oh. place team in my power rankings, I put the Chiefs. And I mean, the reason I have them there is they did just win a Super Bowl. You have to give them credit. Andy Reid is a heck of a coach. Always coaching winning teams. Players love him. Tyron Matthew from DBU, LSU, NFLU, Championship U. Tyron Matthew, Honey Badger, one of, Burrow. one of the greatest defensive players, just a hybrid. He's a great leader, just a great story. Um, he kind of changed their defense. And like Kyle was saying, they just look like a track team out there. They're one of the best skilled teams, so you have to include them. Pat Mahomes just keeps getting better and better, and I don't know how. Um, the third team in my power rankings is the one I'd like to put first, the New Orleans Saints. And I know, again, I sound like a homer for saying this, but you can argue them as being a top seed. Um, they definitely are the best NFC team, in my opinion. I mean, last year when they played the Niners in a regular season, it was a shootout. It came down to the last drive, and people don't realize that Jared Cook had two touchdowns in the first two possessions and got injured the rest of the game. Oh, wait. Sorry. I just wanted to add, and apparently um, Rudolph can shove into offensive pass interference, but, oh, go figure. Of course, that doesn't get called against the Saints or anything, you know. I mean, yeah. Yeah, we, we definitely get on the short end of the stick sometimes. I know it shouldn't come down to the final play, but it definitely never really goes the Saints' way. But even with that, I mean, you got to think, after the Minneapolis Miracle, people were crushed, and everyone's like, there's no way the Saints bounce back from this. And what they do, they prove people wrong and made it to an FC Championship. Then you're thinking there's no way it could be worse than a Minneapolis Miracle, and the worst missed call I've ever seen. Probably the most devastating play for a franchise, except, I mean, the Raiders know how we feel with the whole... Brady play, but that referee should have been arrested. That was fraud. <laughs> but but besides the point, how do you bounce back from that? Everyone's like, there's no way again, and the Saints just go off and win 13 games and make the playoffs again. Then last year, another heartbreaking loss in the playoffs. But we have the most wins the last three seasons. Um, our system works. Great locker room, great presence. We just added a number two receiver finally, who's a veteran. Mike Thomas is unguardable. Everybody knows the ball is going to him. Highest catch rate, most catches in NFL history. You cannot guard Mike. Also, I uh, I think Kamara kind of had a down year last year, so I think this year he's going to bounce back. Yeah, and Alvin Kamara, even for a down year, people don't realize he was playing injured most of the season. So he says he'll be healthy. Drew Brees, you can never count out. Jesus he's, Christ. He's just a winner. He's Breezes. He's the GOAT. Um, defense. The biggest weakness for the Saints, besides just playoff troubles, is definitely in their defense. They... They're very injury-prone. They have a good defense, but last season, just by the end of the year, half their starters are out. So if they could stay healthy on defense, I'm pretty confident in them. They have one of the best run defenses in the NFL, a top-five offense, so I definitely could see the Saints being a Super Bowl contender. Then my number four team is no surprise. It's the Niners, who were in the Super Bowl and very well should have won it. Um, Niners, kind of like Kyle said, when it comes to line of scrimmage, offensively and defensively, they just dominate, and that helps any team. Garoppolo has a lot of haters, but he's a proven winner whenever he plays. He's gonna have that was his first full season as an NFL quarterback. So And to add to that, um who's the greatest coach? Is it is it Bill Belichick? Did did he not want to keep Jimmy Garoppolo? If anybody knows talent or how to get the best out of somebody, it's Bill Belichick. He hasn't drafted a quarterback since. He drafted Garoppolo, he wanted to keep Garoppolo to be the heir apparent to Brady. And there's a reason for that. Bel- Belichick knows what he's doing. Yeah, people can hate on Garoppolo all they want, but he wins. And I'd rather take... I mean, look at the Niners the year before without him when he was injured. They, he, he knows, Corn star Jimmy. He's, he's definitely a winner. 
and you just can't doubt them with that running attack. They got a lot of young, good receivers. Bosa is a freak of nature on the oh, defensive yeah. line. Um, so Niners definitely going to be there contending in the NFC. And then my fifth place team for my power rankings is in the same division, the Seattle Seahawks. On paper, they do not look like a very talented team. Um, everybody thought they were rebuilding within the last two years. They lost so many pieces from the Legion of Boom, even offensively. But Russell Wilson, so underrated. I mean, he's running for his life half the time and just does plays like Pat Mahomes, but doesn't get talked about as much. Russell Wilson's just a winner. Pete Carroll's a winner. It's another year with the system with all those players that are young or just they added last year. The Seahawks, definitely, if they didn't get the injury bug last year, they easily could have represented the NFC. I mean, uh, they almost beat the Packers with their scout running backs <laughs> by the time they got to the postseason. And if they can re-sign Jadame and Clowney, too. So so that's our, both of our sides, our power rankings. You can agree or agree to disagree. That's fine. You know, it's America. You know, freedom of speech, whatever, opinion, everything. Yeah. Uh, but... So now we're going to go with the truth. So the power rankings the NFL has ranked. So Corey's pretty close to it. Corey, the only difference. Um, so for number one, they have the Chiefs. Makes sense. I'm going to go with why I, they probably do it. The uh, Chiefs, because they're returning the best player, and they're the returning Super Bowl champs. Didn't lose much, so that makes sense. Um, number two, they have the Ravens. That makes sense, too. They have the MVP. They had the best regular season. Um so Corey, the only difference with Corey in the NFL was that Corey had number one and two switch between the Chiefs and Ravens. So the NFL, for the truth, they have Chiefs one, Ravens two, three Saints. Again, with the Saints, you got one of the most well-rounded organizations, head coach, Hall of Fame quarterback, added, finally filled in that piece. So now for the draft, they could probably go with uh, best need instead of, you know, or they can go best available, sorry, instead of best need. Um Number four, Jimmy G, EIU, 49ers, baby. Number four, 49ers. Um, their defense last year, if they would have, I'm telling you, I, and I love Kyle Shanahan, but if he just runs the ball, then they're, you know, their defense is not on the field every two seconds. Bosa was single-handedly dominating that game, but then they just got gassed. I've watched it every week as a Bears fan. The defense gets gassed if they're on the field every two seconds. Offense has to do their job also. And then number five, the uh, same as Corey had, they had the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, when you got Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll, you can never count out the Seahawks. So that's the top five. Again, they have right now for the top five power rankings in the NFL going into this year. You have the Chiefs one, Ravens two, Saints three, four 49ers, five Seahawks. And um, if you want to make money in Vegas, according to Kyle, put your money on the Buffalo Bills. That's but, right, uh, Bills Mafia, baby. But we all know Saints are going to win it this we, year. Uh, we don't need to be running out, freaking out, buying all the toilet paper. we got to start stocking up on those tables for the home Buffalo games. Hey, guys, we just wanted to say thanks for listening. This was our first podcast, so we know uh, we probably messed up on some stuff. It wasn't the most fluent podcast, but we had fun doing it. We hope that you enjoyed listening. We're not trying to throw out too many statistics. I know stats do mean a lot, but at the same time, I think people read too into stats, and also it could get a little boring, so we kind of want to go more based on opinions. Hopefully we weren't too biased. We're trying to go based on what we believe, each of us, and then kind of throw in what we think is the truth based on the NFL's opinion. Um, anyways, thanks for listening. Um, each week we'll put out one podcast. That way we could kind of go over everything that occurred in the last week and then some other things in NFL. Kyle's going to take it over from here. Yeah, so uh, next week, guys, we're going to try and address all 32 teams. Uh, briefly, we're going to go over what we think their top draft need is and maybe throw out some ideas of who we think could be a good 
ne- we're not doing a mock draft next week. That's going to be the week after. But next week, we're going to go through the top need for each team and uh, kind of address who they can maybe pick for that um, and what would kind of, you know, help that team out the most. And then for our uh, ending segment of the Truth Be Told next week, since it's been kind of a hot thing this past week where people were ranking their top five wide receivers all the time, we're going to do top wide top five wide receivers from 2000 to current because uh, 26 years old, the first year we remember was 99, so of actual football. So we're going to go from 2000 until now, our top five receivers that we've grown up watching. So thanks, guys. Thanks again for listening. Um, we're going to try and make this as enjoyable a podcast as we can, especially for what's going on right now. Sports, the thing about sports is it brings everyone together. You could be strangers and if somebody's wearing that same team shirt during a game, your best friends for those three hours, no matter what background of life you come from. Or enemies. Or, yep, or enemies. Like, some of my best friends are Packers fans, you know, but it makes it fun. Sports brings us all together. It's awesome. Um, so, thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week.